listen to your body. This is not the season for peak performance. Like it's not the season to like really test yourselves and lose that like 1% more body fat. Just, you know, it's really about nourishing yourself, getting as much sleep as possible, nourishing and nurturing your baby, you know, transitioning into a mom. That's huge just in and of itself. There's so many other things going on. Welcome back to the Whole Mamas Podcast. We're here to give you tools, resources, and evidence-based information so you can make the best decisions for yourself and your family. Whether you're trying to conceive or are navigating life with a toddler or a teenager, we got you covered. I'm Dr. Ilana Romel, pediatric naturopathic doctor and creator of Med School for Moms, an online resource where I teach moms how to safely be a doctor mom. And I'm Stephanie Gerinke, registered dietitian and program director for Whole30's Home Mamas Club. I'm also the co-creator of Whole30's pregnancy program where I teach moms how to navigate the endless decisions regarding pregnancy. I'm also creating our upcoming postpartum program. Today, Steph and I recap last week's episode on getting back into fitness with Mind Pump. Steph interviewed the host of the popular podcast, Mind Pump, about misconceptions when it comes to getting back into fitness after you've taken some time off. Steph and I share with you our takeaways from her interview, along with our personal exercise routines, specifically how they changed from pre-baby mode to now being busy moms. We offer support and guidance so you too can find your fitness groove that works for your body, increases your mental clarity, and ultimately makes you happy. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to thank our podcast partner, Tessie Mays. Steph and I, we love their variety of healthy dressings, marinades, condiments, and salad kits. All of Tessie Mays products are full of flavor and never compromise on taste. Tessimaze is committed to meeting strict, clean label requirements as they contain only real, simple ingredients that consumers can pronounce without any artificial ingredients or synthetic chemicals. Their products are also organic, Whole30 approved, gluten-free, dairy-free, thickening agent-free, and free of added sugars by pioneering the use of dates as sweeteners. Last week, Steph shared one of her favorites is the Everything Bagel Dressing, which I've never tried myself, so I can't wait to try that. We love sharing with you mamas what we love so that you can learn and we can learn all together. Now, my personal favorite dressing of theirs is their Creamy Green Goddess. I usually stick with simple dressings like olive oil and vinegar, but it's nice to make some changes here and there and mix things up. I love the creamy feel of the dressing, along with a mix of antioxidant-rich blend of herbs. Now, my husband's favorite is their new Buffalo Ranch. I'm pretty sure he's a sucker for anything that contains buffalo sauce flavoring. He does not limit himself. He loves buffalo everything, and so that just tends to be a staple in our house. We are so lucky we have such great healthy options to choose from. Right now, Tessimaze is offering our listeners a great deal. If you visit their website at tessimaze.com, you can get 15% off your entire purchase by using WholeMamas15 code. This offer ends September 30th, so don't miss out. Tessimaze is spelled T-E-S-S-E-M-A-E-S.com. So you can check them out and go ahead and find something that you love just as much as Steph and I do. All right, now on to today's show. All right, Steph, just as always, I love our Nourish Yourself segment. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what you did today or maybe something coming up that you're doing to nourish yourself? Yeah, I just got a haircut, which I'm really excited about. I didn't cut too many inches off the bottom of it, but what I did do is get my bangs back. And I actually love having size wet bangs. I feel like they give my face a little bit more shape and they help me style my hair because I am not one to spend more than 
10 minutes, if that, on my hair in the morning. So if I have some bangs that I can just lightly straighten and then have some layers around my face, I feel like it looks more put together. And I have been missing my bangs so much. They grew out and it takes a while for me to make an appointment to get my hair styled because I feel like it always takes forever. And right now I'm like cramming to get this postpartum program done. So I'm trying not to take time away from that. Uh, But I got it done. It feels so much lighter. They took off weight too. They took my hair is really thick. So they took off some layers and in this San Diego heat, it feels really good. So I'm really enjoying my haircut. Well, first of all, you're so lucky you can even have bangs. With my curly hair, yeah. it's just not even an option ever in my life. <laughs> I don't even know what bangs would be like, so that's so much fun. Yeah, no, your hair is, I love your hair. I love the curls. I feel like we like what we don't have, and I'm like, I would love some more waves and more fluff and oh, more volume. Oh, you're so cute. Yeah. I've definitely come to like it over the years once I kind of figured out what products to use, but with curls, you really need products, which is what I don't like about it. It's like I can't just like wash my hair blow dry it and just go for the day. That That's like not an option, but there are definitely pros to it. So anyway, we don't need to talk about hair, but <laughs> I am very excited that you went. Yeah. It does feel really good to get a haircut. I think I'm like you. I probably go once every six months to a year. And I know people who go like regularly and I'm like, gosh, where do you even find the time to do that? You're lucky. That's cool. <laughs> so maybe one day we'll go a little bit more often. Yeah, no, I, I do like it when I walk out of there and after they style it and everything, I just feel so good, but it takes a while it's to get fun. there. Yeah. What about you? What'd you do today? Okay, so it's not something I did today, but it's been in the last two weeks. So if you don't mind, I'm going to cheat on this one. But it is something that's been more of a part of my life for the last two weeks. And that is I decided to get a new car. And I don't even think I told you this even as a friend. Yeah, I know. It's like not even something I'm excited about, which you would think I'd be excited about. I think when people get new things, everyone's like, oh my God, this is what I did. Even my mom called me and was like, do you love your new car? And I'm like, Well, kind of. So I wanted to share this because I'm not into fancy cars. I'm not into fancy clothes. It's it's actually not something that excites me at all. And um, I was leasing a car because once I had a Viva, I realized my old used like 10 plus year old, 200,000 mile (laughs) car was probably not the safest thing for a child anymore. So I ended up leasing a nicer car. And, uh, And I had, I mean, I'll share it. I was a Mazda CX-5. I loved it. But my lease was coming up and I knew this baby boy is on his way and I did not want to be in the dealership with a new infant trying to like figure out the new car. So I called them up and I was like, look, I'm about like six weeks to my due date. This is um, when I was at the the dealership and I was like, can I just trade in my car early? And they're like, yeah, you could totally do that. So I was like, oh, that's great. Let's just do it now. So it was actually felt like more of like a to-do than it was like an excitement. <laughs> and so I just thought I was going to trade it in for the same car, but they ended up selling me on the upgraded version, which is a CX-9. So now I essentially have like seven seats in my car. I've got like a whole third row back seat. But the reason why I did it is because it's so much easier to get two children in on one side. And I'm I'm kind of elaborating on this because moms are listening. So I'm sure if you have two kids or more, you guys can all appreciate these little like luxuries in life where you're in a parking lot and now you don't have to like go through one side of the car. Then you have to go all the way around to the other side of the car to put the kid in. And I just started really thinking like, you know, These are like luxuries and I don't need it, but it does make my life easier, which is a nourishing practice. And I found myself like kind of beating myself up. Like even when I drove off the lot with it and my husband's like, aren't you so excited? I was like, 
not really. Like, do we really need it? You know, like, is it really essential? Like, yes, it's going to make my life a little bit easier, but it's kind of wasteful, you know? And he was like, why do you do this to yourself? And so I wanted to share because I've been really been processing that over the two weeks. And with every day that goes by, I get in this new car and I'm like, Ilana, like, this is the nicest car you've ever owned in your life. Like, enjoy it. Like you deserve this. And I've really come to accept it more and more as the days have gone on. And now I like get in my car and I'm like, I'm really excited now. You know, like it took me some time and I wish it didn't take me that much time, but that's my process. And I really feel excited about it. I feel like it's a really safe car now with the two kids coming and I, it's like so fancy and I feel so fancy in it. And I'm like, you know, I really deserve it. This is really, really special to me. So I feel like it's been nourishing me. And I think the process has also been a good uh, experience for me to go through to finally just accept this. Isn't that so funny how we do that to ourselves, though? Like we don't let ourselves count our wins or we don't let ourselves get excited because we like, kind of self-sabotage ourselves in that way. And so I'm glad you took that time to really reflect on why am I not letting myself get excited? And now you are at a place where you can enjoy it and you realize that you deserve it. And I think once baby boy comes and you actually start needing it in that way, it's going to be so much easier for you to really appreciate that extra room. Totally. And it's different for everyone. Like for me, it's about getting new things or spending money on things. For other people, it could be a food choice or it could be, a, you know, going shopping or it could be their work or, you know, it's just different for everyone. And I think just being able to acknowledge what that is and giving yourself permission to just be, and that's okay. Don't make yourself wrong for it or beat yourself up too, too much, but just reflect on it, I think is a really powerful thing. So for me, it's cars and fancy things. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's another thing I just want to add to this too, that I, I find a lot when things are going well, there are people where like things are going well, like everybody's happy and healthy and, and work is going great. And they almost are just waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're like, they're not not able to enjoy the times where it's really good because they know that or they think that something is going to happen. Like I see this a lot with my my mamas who have anxiety. It's like not being able to appreciate the present because of what can happen in the future. So I'm glad. Oh, what a great example. Yes. And that's like it's it's like hijacking you of joy, you know, essentially. Yeah. And it's not right. That's great. And, and that I hope that moms can have some awareness on that if that speaks to them. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the episode. Cool. Okay. I'm so sorry. That was like a long nurse yourself <laughs> segment, but I guess I had a lot to say. All right. So I loved this interview. It was actually so refreshing to have males on. Right. <laughs> you know, I think we have so many female guests and I think that's awesome too. So it was just kind of like a, a nice change up with things. So thanks for inviting them. Um, I also love that they were personal trainers because my husband's one and I love to kind of hear people's philosophies, how they're similar, how they're different. And I just initially somehow assumed these guys with over 40 years combined experience are going to give us some advice to like work hard and every day it's got to be like this sweat and mm -hmm. just keep on pushing yourself. And I really loved that there is this great misconception when we think of working out. I was just thrilled that they were totally on our side of just being like, no, be much more conservative. And their main message was really to slow down and find something that will be a sustainable workout routine. And I, I just love their approach because I know we both agree to that so much. 
I guess I'm so just curious then for you, Steph, like what your personal workout routine looked like before you had auto. Cause I know you are of the mentality of like push hard, sweat hard, you know, that's just like your drive when it comes to working out, but what it was like then after you had your first baby. And then even with Leo, the second child, did you just really stop pushing yourself and you slowed down and just like, what was your journey through that? Yeah, I'm happy to share all of that because you're right. I am one to really want to push myself and that's been my history with workouts. But just speaking to your point about how, you know, they have 40 years plus of combined experience and they're there's telling us to slow down really says something about the fact that that is the ideal way to go about it. They have worked with so many people. They are really buff. They have experience with helping people get ready for a bikini and figure and like muscle competitions. They have experience working with athletes and they also have a lot of experience working with the everyday person. And so it I think it's easy when you're just starting out as a trainer or that's all you're seeing on social media is like the approach to push it really hard for best results. But when you're talking to somebody who has been in the field for so long, working with as many people as they have, you really start to get that that is not the most sustainable approach. So I just I really understand where they're coming from because I have personal experience with that, too. And I think even when we're talking about nutrition changes, you know, in the beginning, you come out and you're like, yeah, like client, do all these things. Here is my list of a hundred things that you can do nutritionally to get healthy. But that's not going to work for 99.9% of the population. You know, but starting with one or two major rocks is a much better approach. So yeah, I think we agree on much more than we disagree. And when it comes to my personal journey, I have always been somebody to push myself even to the point of losing my cycle and getting extremely lean. And it really wasn't until my husband deployed and I decided to go off a birth control pill and I didn't get my period back for a really long time that I started to think, well, maybe I am pushing myself too hard in my workouts. And This is because all through growing up, I loved fitness. I use it for anxiety reducing capacity. I use it for feeling good. I've used it to tweak my body composition for so many reasons. And what I found is that that was just digging me into this hole that took a long time to recover from. And so it took me a good two years to really get my body into a place where it was ready to conceive with Otto to get my cycle back. And the thing about that that's really interesting is because I worked so hard for so long, it only took one cycle, one period for me to get pregnant. Um, so, you know, all those changes, if you're looking to conceive and you're, you've been noticing that you've been pushing yourself too hard, that work that you are accumulating will really benefit you in the long time. It's frustrating while you're working through it, but it is ultimately setting yourself up for success. So, you know, when I did conceive, one of the first signs for both of my pregnancies that I was pregnant was that I was having a harder time at the gym. And my first pregnancy, this was really hard for me because, you know, my trainers knew that I could really push it and they saw me backing off in the workouts and I was getting frustrated with myself and I just, I didn't know what was going on. And my husband was the one that was like, well, maybe you're pregnant. Like maybe that's why you're having such a hard time in the gym all of a sudden. And so I just, I really kind of fought through it and I pushed my body probably harder than it it wanted to be pushed even during the first trimester. 
And it wasn't until like the second, probably probably the third trimester that my body was like, okay, no, now you really need to slow down. So that first and second trimester, I was doing more like CrossFit style workouts. I was doing what was what's called fit wall, which is another like high intensity type of training. And in the third trimester, I called Melissa Hartwig Urban and I was like so upset at myself. And her and I are really good friends. We've been friends for a really long time. And I actually asked her like, is it okay for me to slow down? Like I had been so trained to push myself hard. And that was my mindset that it wasn't until she kind of gave me the grace that like you can walk, like walking is good enough and you can slow down and only do strength training two or three times a week. And that is still good enough or don't do it at all. And so I think, you know, if, if it's helpful for some people to kind of hear from somebody that has a really strong fitness background that pushed really hard, that it is okay to slow down with your workouts. And Ilana, this is actually one of the reasons that we decided to create that pregnancy program together was because, you know, I found myself really struggling with some things during my pregnancy and she found herself really struggling with some things. And we decided that, you know, we're both really struggling with things. We need to help put this information out there so people can give themselves the grace that they need and and find that information. I love it. I'm so sorry to to interrupt. I just love that you had that resource and a support structure to really reach out to because that's really what it takes sometimes is like deep down, you knew you needed to slow down. It was almost like you needed permission from someone. And then all of a sudden, because Melissa said it, you were able to do it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think innately as women, we love collaborating. We love reaching out. We love asking for advice. So if you find yourself doubting yourself or you can't just trust that intuition, reach out to people, you know, or listen to this podcast again. Maybe you could be reminded about it or talk to some friends, but I'm so proud of you because I know your default is really to push. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you. And, um, (laughs) you know, just kind of continuing my story because I don't want to take too long. I, um, you know, I had Otto and after he was born, my midwives actually told me something that really wasn't helpful for me. And they wanted me to really be uber conservative with going back into fitness. And I get where their heart was at. You know, they kind of wanted me to to spend as much time away from fitness as I could and only focus on walking. And I think that that's definitely true, but to a certain extent. And I think my years of, you know, working in the mental health world, you know, after Otto, I realized that, yeah, absolutely, walking can be enough. But for somebody who you really love fitness and fitness is a part of your identity, kind of forcing yourself to stay away from that can do more harm than helpful. And this doesn't mean that postpartum, you need to jump back into anything high intensity, but actually just spending that time getting out of your house to go to a gym, to a lighter workout class, or being around other people in a group fitness class can be really nourishing to your soul and your mind. And I think because they were really scared about me going back and doing fitness, I held myself back for far too long. Um, I also was dealing with really wicked postpartum anxiety. And so leaving the house was hard for me. So I kind of um, shied away from fitness for the first year after having Otto, which is very unlike me. And I think that contributed to a lot of my postpartum anxiety. So, you know, I'll kind of keep this short. I Same thing with uh, Leo. I found out that I was pregnant mostly because I was forced to slow down during my CrossFit classes right away in the first trimester. And then uh, after Leo, I learned from my mistakes with Otto and I jumped back into fitness uh, a lot faster. I, again, mostly stuck to walking the first 
first six weeks, but then I started doing more lifting and I followed the birth fit plan for postpartum training after. And that felt really good. And I'm still continuing to work out five or six days a week. Mm. I don't need you to rush your story. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I know though we could probably take the whole episode because I'm really intrigued by it. And I appreciate you sharing how if fitness is so important to some individuals and it's almost like it's their identity, then it is true. They have to modify for that. And what I tell my patients as a rule of thumb, and this is how I practice as well, is really tune in. If after your workout, you feel energized and happier and just feeling better, then that means that workout really served you. In my experience, if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and share kind of how my routine changed a lot. I used to do Pilates like at least three or four times a week, and I loved it. That was like, that was the exercise that just like made me sing, you know, like and lit me up. Like I just, I finally over the years found something that I just absolutely loved better than going to the gym or lifting weights or I don't know. I just love Pilates and it worked well for me. And I remember when I was pregnant with Aviva, my first trimester, I did my Pilates class and I was worn out. Like, I think that day I needed to take like a three hour nap just to recuperate from a very standard class that I used to take all the time. And I was like blown away by it. I was like, oh my gosh, like I see all these pregnant women doing Pilates. I thought for sure I would be one of those women who could just continue doing my classes all throughout my pregnancy. And I think after that experience of having to nap for that three hours, I just listened to my body and I was like, well, clearly my body's changing. Things are changing. I'm really going to have to, you know, revisit Pilates, maybe another trimester or just another year. I don't know, whatever that is, and really resort to more of walking. And so I, I bring that up because I think we all have different experiences, perhaps you know, I'm speaking to a mom now who may be listening, who can do Pilates during her pregnancy and she's you know, she's lit up and she has so much energy and she actually, she feels better in her body. She doesn't have as much backache or she doesn't have as much, you know, fatigue or whatnot. Well, maybe for her, then that really works for her. In my case, it did not work for me. So it is pretty individual. However, I would say the like real push of, I think our brains thinking we should be pushing or we should be doing this. That's where I think we can really get in trouble. And it all depends on really like your athletic performance, I think even before conception where people are. And so it's kind of hard to just say one size fits all. I think it's honestly every pregnancy has different factors to consider, every person and every individual where your athletic performance is at that point. But for me, I thought for sure I'd be able to do my workout regularly and I just wasn't. So what I did was I just decided to stop my Pilates membership and I just walked every day and it was so nourishing to me. I, you know, extended my walks, whereas before maybe they were shorter because I did my Pilates. Now they were longer. I enjoyed my walk so much. I loved getting outside and being in the sun and being in nature. And I was, you know, listening to so many podcasts and audibles, just getting me ready for my first child. And then I also realized postpartum, I just didn't have the time to go to a Pilates class. Like I thought for sure I would just go right back into it after I felt ready. But I just felt like, goodness, like, what do I do then with the baby? It's like, I would have to hire a nanny just to go to Pilates, or I would have to coordinate with Anthony when he can watch her so I can go. And I felt like the drive time and that like transition time 
wasn't worth it. I just was like, I'd rather just keep on walking. This is working for me and I feel so good. So I would just walk and I would stretch. And I did a lot of yoga actually during my first pregnancy. I was really gravitated to it. So that was my transition. And now I'm almost three years postpartum with Aviva. I'm on my second pregnancy and I still haven't returned to a Pilates class. And I have to say, I really miss it. Like mentally, I, I miss that routine that I had. Any friend that like goes to a Pilates class, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so, like, how fun. You know, I'm so glad you got to go. But again, I keep on listening to myself and, and asking like, okay, are you ready? Do you want to go back? And I'm like, no, my body really likes what I'm doing. And it doesn't mean that it's not going to be there for me at some point, because I do plan on returning. But I'm also giving myself permission to be okay with my walks and keep on tuning into my body and know that, like, is this enough? And do I feel good? And I'm like, yeah, this is perfect. It's not just that it's enough. It really is working for me right now. So that's kind of my experience during pregnancy and postpartum. Yeah, and I think what you're speaking to is really just modifying your program to fit what is feeling good in your body and what feels good in your mind as well. You know, you didn't just say, okay, Pilates is too much for me. I'm just going to do nothing at all. You're like, okay, Pilates is maybe too much and I don't have the time for it, but I really enjoy walking and that's still good enough and that still lights me up. And, you know, for me, it was, okay, well, doing these high intensity fitness classes or CrossFit is too much for me, but doing kettlebell where like that is, I can moderate the intensity a little bit more and that feels good in my body works for me. Or maybe going to that Pilates class is taking up too much of your time, but you can find a 20 20 minute video and do it online in your house instead. So it really does require listening to your body like you talked about and finding an approach that is going to make sense within your context. Completely. And I agree with you. It wasn't that just because Pilates didn't work for me, I did nothing. That wouldn't have worked for me because I know for myself, I don't just walk because it's good for my body. I walk because it's also very important for my mental health. It's actually one of the things that motivates my walks more than the physicality part of it, you know? I can tell anytime I'm even slightly anxious, a walk completely transforms me and helps me calm down. Or if I'm just kind of feeling low that day and I take a walk, I come back and I just feel like upbeat again and like ready for the day. So that's just to me almost like a non-negotiable, whether I'm still going to Pilates or going to a gym or going to do some other activity is just starting the day with a walk is such a gift for me. And I know we talk a lot about that during our nurse yourself segment. I mean, I'm sure we both have used walks so many times. It's just, it's now just part of our day to day. It's a habit. And and I, that's another big thing that you guys spoke a lot about is just what is something that's sustainable for you? And that's why I love walking is I could do it anywhere. I could do it anytime. I could do it if I'm traveling. I could do it if it's late in the day or early in the morning. It's free. So I'm not like, you know, feeling like I'm paying for anything. And it's just like the nicest opportunity. And that's what works for me. And I know I'll have that forever long. And I also know that things like Pilates or maybe for you, like FitWall or the high intensity CrossFit classes will just come and go in your life when the time permits. And I think that's a beautiful thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And we, we talked about that a lot in the podcast, too, of like, you know, looking at your season of life and is that high intensity reasonable for you right now? I mean, when you're pregnant, it may not be reasonable because, A, you just physically can't. It's too much. Or maybe it causes more prolapse or um, it 
really hurts your core pelvic floor in some way, or you know maybe postpartum it's the same for you too. And I think what I really appreciate that I talk about a lot, but hearing it from three guys who you know they could go the other route and talk about like going hard postpartum to get your body back or something silly like that. They're saying, you know, actually high intensity interval training isn't a great option for a lot of moms, especially postpartum, because you already have accumulated so many stressors in your life with the sleep deprivation and the relationship challenges and the work challenges or financial challenges, or, you know, your body is just healing and that is a huge physical stress. So I loved that we had that conversation about really considering whether or not high-intensity interval training is appropriate for your season. It may be or it may not be. And in the case of brand new spanking postpartum moms, it oftentimes isn't. Hey mama, Dr. Ilana here to quickly remind you that you can safely be a doctor mom. We all want the best for our children. And as a mom, you are automatically your child's number one health advocate. I've created guidebooks and video courses to teach you how to feel calm when your child is sick, how to be competent using integrative medicine tools, and how to feel confident knowing when it's time to visit your doctor or when you can safely treat your child from home yourself. Head over to medschoolformoms.com forward slash home mamas and start watching my free mini course where I teach you the mindset, medicine, and mastery of being a doctor mom. While you're there, check out my favorite pediatric and mama approved medicines I use with my patients. I'm always updating my favorite products. Staying up to date is my job, so you don't have to do it. Join our village of supportive mamas. Visit medschoolformoms.com forward slash home mamas so you can make confident decisions about your family's well-being. We love helping moms become doctor moms. Now let's get back to today's episode. I think we've already agreed, right? We don't want to push ourselves, but I'm, I really want to break it down to like, why? And like, why slowing down and not pushing yourself during pregnancy and postpartum is actually very important. And I, I believe it was Justin who was one of the guys who interviewed, who spoke about the principle of adaptation versus recovery. And when most people are going too fast, too hard, too soon, it's almost more damage to the body than it is good. So I I wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit about this because I know you're so into exercise and the physiology behind it, but I also know you're very, very passionate about mental health. And so I'm just curious from your point of view, how pushing too hard could be a recipe for not only the physical injury, but also just postpartum mental health instability and just pushing too hard can really affect moms in many ways. Can you just give us some like concrete examples? Yeah. So one of them that I just already spoke to was that stress bucket, being that your body is already really depleted postpartum. Even if you consider yourself as somebody who had a perfect home birth and you have all the support in the world, there's just a lot of physical and emotional healing that needs to take place. And the fact of the matter is that many of us don't identify with having an easy pregnancy, labor, or delivery. Like Usually there's one piece of that that's harder than others for you, or maybe all of it's really hard. So you know, asking yourself, do 
you really need that additional stress. You know, high intensity intervals training is a stress, and that is going to impact our overall stress hormones. How much cortisol we are shuttling throughout our body. It's going to impact our reproductive hormones, which already are trying to figure themselves out in the postpartum period. And then it's going to impact our healing if we are sending a message to our, our muscles and throughout our body that muscles are breaking down and we need to heal and repair there, we're going to take away from the fact that we need to heal tissues and other structures of our body elsewhere. So, you know, this is very clear if you are somebody that is recovering from a pelvic floor issue, if you are recovering from a C-section, if you tore during delivery, it's just going to add to your recovery time. And it's going to also cause a lot more pain and frustration since you're limited in ability. So we're more likely to get injured if we're going too hard or too fast. We are not using our correct form. So, you know, if you're in pain or if you're just really tired, the chances that you're going to complete that exercise in the right alignment is just not there. You're, you're probably going to be hunched over. You're probably going to be looser in form. You're not going to be using your core like you need to because you have a pelvic floor and core issue or just because you're, you're tired and you're recovering from a huge developmental period in your life. So again, we don't want to push our adrenals more than we need to. We're already mentally exhausted and we don't want to deplete our bodies more than they already are. I love that. I wish that can be like whispered in every pregnant woman's and postpartum woman's ear. <laughs> yeah. And you know, the mental health piece, like if we are, if we're feeling depleted already in the postpartum and then we add this additional stressor, which we totally have control over. I think that's something important too, is like, we don't always have control over how our baby sleeps or how our labor and delivery was, but we do have a choice of how hard we push ourselves in our workouts. And so when you feel like you're depleted, everything else is your life is harder. And if you're waking up early to get this high intensity (laughs) interval training in, then again, that's another, that's like a triple threat. And that's going to impact your body, your recovery, your sleep and your circadian rhythm. I can't agree with you more. And I think it's interesting, even when my patients come in and they're pregnant and I see they're doing CrossFit, you know, maybe five times a week on my treatment plan, I literally write down like, I need you to actually modify this. And they're like, really? I figured you would be excited about that. And I'm like, no, let's have this conversation, you know? And I think it's just, it's a, it's a challenging thing for some women and for others. It's like, oh my God, really? This is great. Thanks for giving me permission to just slow down. And so I think the biggest takeaway from our episode today is just giving people permission, letting moms know like, listen to your body. This is not the season for peak performance. Like it's not the season to like really test yourselves and lose that like 1% more body fat. Just, you know, it's really about nourishing yourself, getting as much sleep as possible, nourishing and nurturing your baby, you know, transitioning into a mom that's huge just in and of itself. There's so many other things going on and stressors, like you said. So why then choose this extra added stressor in your life when we can control it? Yeah, absolutely. And like you're talking about your client coming in, showing that she did CrossFit five times a week. I mean, it's great that you're proud of yourself for working out. And I think it is really important that we are getting some kind of movement in our in our daily week or in our week, like five times a week is great if you want to get some kind of movement in. 
But I think it's that difference between doing it and being proud of yourself from doing it to wearing it as a badge of honor. Like, look how Mm. hard I pushed myself or everybody see how early I'm getting up so that I can push myself so hard. That is the difference. So, yes, absolutely be proud, but do it smart. Great distinction. Yeah, I love that you said that. Now, I know Anthony is, he's your husband, and he is a personal trainer. So I'm curious, does he have a similar approach as the guys from Mind Pump, or how is his approach to fitness different? Yeah, I'm actually really, I was really surprised when it came to me transitioning out of my routine into more walking and how supportive he was. I actually remember sitting down at dinner one night and telling him like, I don't think I could do Pilates anymore. And I explained my story just like I did earlier in our episode. And he goes, Ilana, just walk every day. Just just do something every day to move your body and stretch. And I said to him, I'm like, are you sure? Because I know what you do. It was like I was comparing myself to him. Like he trains at least two to three hours a day in some way throughout the day. And but he's also that's just his nature and his that's what works for him. And I was like, how can I even compare? I can't. But he it was almost like he was my Melissa, who for you, Melissa gave you that grace and the permission to really back off. I felt like Anthony was my Melissa who kind of gave me that permission to be like, no, if you just walk every day, that's still amazing, Ilana. And what he said to me, and I'll never forget this, and he still says it to me every day, and it was very similar to the mind pump guys. And he just says, you're doing something every day consistently. That matters more than pushing yourself for short term every few seasons. And I remember when he said that to me and I was like, oh my God, you're right. I mean, even if it's a 15 or an hour walk, it's 15 minute or an hour walk, it's something. And I'm moving every day and my body's adapting to that and my body really likes it. And it's like, at least I'm not not active for months on end until then I get to the place where I'm like, okay, I'm going to get back into this. Okay. This week I'm going to do it. And then that lasts a month until then I stop it again. It's something that I routinely do. And so when he said that, I'm like, oh yeah, I could do this forever. I could do this for the rest of my life because then that's what you do. You know, you pick up what's sustainable for you. And then when you're ready to add anything more, then you do it. And so having that permission was so nice And I know I'll get back into something more intense at some point, but it's been three years with having Aviva and I've actually been really surprised with myself. I haven't been pushing myself even more, but really I'm just kind of going with what my body needs and what my body feels good. And this is just what I've been doing. Maybe if I nursed for less amount of time, I would have gone back, who knows? Or who knows with the second baby, maybe after six months postpartum, I decide I want to go back. I just think, again, it's just you take every day at a time, you check in, you give yourself permission for, you know, really doing what your body feels good. And then that's that at the end of the day. So his philosophy is really on point with everybody else's. Yeah, well, because it's so true. I mean, and I think, you know, there's a lot of similarities between fitness and nutrition, too. It's like when I talk to people about, well, what is a good diet for me? It's like, well, what can you be consistent with and what feels good in your body? Because I would much rather have somebody do an approach where they're even doing like an 80-20 type of principle, but they're consistent with it versus trying to be 100% clean eating, whatever they define Mm -hmm. that as, but then find themselves binging all the time or find themselves on and off a diet where they're eating really great and then they're eating foods that don't make them feel good the other time. It's like consistency is king with all of this. 
Perfect. I couldn't agree with you more. And I loved this segment where you guys really talked about habit forming and how to create success out of these just small little things. So I would love, if you don't mind, as we wrap up, just to go over some of those tips that they did. And I want to hear some of your thoughts on them. So if I may, let's go ahead and start. One of the things that they shared was that the average person takes 4,500 steps per day, which is about an average of one hour of movement. So throughout the entire day, which let's just say it's like a 12 hour day of like being awake and moving, you're only taking one hour of actually moving from either walking to your car, walking up the stairs, or, you know, I don't know, getting up to go to the bathroom. So even just taking an extra walk around the block or doing a home workout for like 15 minutes is still more than the average person who's only moving for the 60 minutes per day. And I I liked this. I liked keeping that in mind so we can really take those slow and steady changes to make new habits is just to get really present to anything more than the average is better than not, right? And so we could be so slow at it and that can be still very, very successful. Do you agree with that or did you have anything to add to that point that they brought up? No, I completely agree with this. And I I actually started using a Fitbit to track to see how many I got. And I would get about 4,500 a day unless I made a dedicated effort to get movement in in other places. And so what I just want to say with this is, you know, it's unrealistic to go from maybe 4,000 or less steps a day to trying to hit 10,000 steps a day. I feel like a lot of people are like, they hear that 10,000 steps a day is good number and then they want to like jump to that. And it's completely fine and probably more realistic if you start easing into that number. So if you find that you're on average doing 4,000 steps a day, okay, add that 15 minute walk. Okay. Maybe now you're at, you know, 5,000 steps or whatever it is, then just keep gradually adding another walk or a longer walk or finding areas where you can move throughout the day. You park farther away from the grocery store or from work, or you get up after dinner with your kids and jump around and dance with them or move, you know, just making sure that you're not setting this goal of 10,000 steps and, and trying to hit that because that is quite a jump. It takes a lot of effort to get there. Yep. I I couldn't agree with you more. That's why I love, again, these numbers are real, you know? And so the tracking with the Fitbit or just knowing that, hey, even 10 more minutes or 15 minutes of something is better than nothing is just great. Okay. I'd love to share then another um, habit change that, you know, that they offered. And they said, I love this. They said the best outcomes they find in their clients are those who compete with themselves and not with others. These small, consistent changes comparing themselves to themselves cause massive changes and then they can stay consistent forever. So, you know, I just read that because I wrote it down because I was like, whoa, it's so true. Anytime you step out of comparing yourself to yourself and now you're comparing to either a man or another woman or it's just, it's a disservice to you. You're totally cheating yourself and then your purpose and your motivation is also thrown off. But if you could just compete with your own self and take one more step forward or one more step past maybe your last goal, that's who they find themselves having the most success. They say even massive changes and consistency forever. So that's what I want for everyone. So what are your thoughts on that one, Steph? Yeah, I think it's just really important that you are understanding who you are comparing yourself to and maybe the privileges that they have. Because I think sometimes when you're talking about like, well, I would have to pay for a babysitter. Well, maybe somebody has a parent that lives right next door that they can just drop their kid off. And so they don't have to pay for that hour of childcare. So going to the gym is much easier Mm. for them. Or maybe they live outside like we have the privilege of in San Diego where we can take those walks outside versus somebody that lives in Wisconsin (laughs) that can't Mm -hmm. do it all year 
around. Or maybe the um, you know somebody had an, an easier labor and delivery, so they're not recovering from a C-section, and you see them doing all these like ab workouts, or they have like a six-pack set of abs, and you're like, well, why doesn't my belly look like that? Well, you've had a much different journey. So I think mm-hmm. just being mindful of how we're comparing and the fact that we don't know what is going on with their world. I love it. Great examples. And what are you going to do in Wisconsin? <laughs> and that's when I have that walking treadmill indoor. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's awesome. How's that going for you? I are love you it. really liking? Yeah, good. I, I, of course you do. <laughs> I know I'm going to miss you. I'm going to be like on my walk in sunny San Diego calling you, I but I won't rub it in too hard. I'm okay. sorry. I'm actually excited for you. I can't wait to visit you in Wisconsin. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I have one last thing because it really was an awesome, like, I think it was towards the end and I just loved this so much. I also wrote it down for my own notes. You asked the last question and you asked from a husband's perspective on just providing time for your wife to go and work out what their opinions of that are. Like, what advice can you give to us? And I just loved their answer. And I'm just so grateful you asked this question, taking advantage of the husband's (laughs) um, perspective. So they said that I love this quote is you can't pour from an empty cup. So they encourage their wives to ask. And they say that our relationship is 10 times better when my wife exercises. And it's for the betterment of us as a team. And so, and even for her as a mother of of our team. So she, and then I, I don't know which of the guys it was who said this, but I was so excited. And they said, the one hour that I give my wife, you know, to go and work out and do whatever she needs to do literally benefits us by tenfold. It almost gives us like 10 hours more of like her best self. It, it makes me feel like I'm able to provide. I love spending time with the kids. So like I encourage it. And I just love that that was like such a great way to end because I do work with a lot of moms who do want to get back into a fitness routine and they want to go out to the gym or they want to get back into the fitness classes or whatnot. And they just say to me, they're like, I just don't know who's going to watch the child. And I just feel bad asking my husband for the time. And, and so this is so important to you, for you to understand and for moms to all really get that it's not only just benefiting you to ask, it's benefiting the husband to be able to watch the kids. It's benefiting your relationship by tenfold. It's, you know, benefiting you as a mother. So these requests that we ask for our husbands to watch the kids while we go and nourish ourselves with fitness is incredibly important. It's It's like something we have to practice and practice and practice. So it's like not even a challenge for us. So I'm sure you have a lot to say about that too, Steph, but I just, I was so excited with their answer. I loved it. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you said too. And I mean, partly, part of the reason why I asked that question is because that was a question I had a lot as a a new mom, especially with a new baby when I was breastfeeding and I was like, oh, what am I going to do if like baby's hungry? I kind of felt this guilt and fear of leaving the house to go to the gym to do something for me. And I wanted them to say that because I think sometimes even if our partner says that they're supportive and is, is promoting us going and telling us to go, we don't maybe believe them. And so hearing it from three other guys, three other partners that are like, yes, like this, we're truly meaning it when we say that could help. So I'm glad that hopefully we can give you some more reassurance that your partner really wants you to. Yes. No, that's why it was brilliant to me. (laughs) I was like, I'm so glad you're asking because I think the more we hear it, the more we can actually trust that like, yes, that's why we do this. So I just think it was great. It was a great way to end. Again, I loved their answers. So it was awesome. So thank you again. Any other kind of takeaways you wanted to end with? 
Uh, no, I'm just really glad that we had them on the show. There was so much more that we wanted to get into. I had to actually cut them off. I think we could have had another hour of that episode um, because there are so many misconceptions when it comes to postpartum fitness. But I think if you hear from us in this episode that going slow is better, consistency is better, listening to your body is so important, and making sure that you do take time out to do that and that your partner wants you to do that is the key. I love it. Well, I'm sure a lot of people enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed doing the recap with you, Steph. So again, thanks for bringing on those guys and, you know, including them in our now community. And I'm sure if moms have even more questions or need for advice or even some of their programs that they offer, please go ahead and reach out to them directly over at Mind Pump. And their podcast, I know, is one of your favorites. (laughs) And you were also a guest on their Mind Pump. So I definitely recommend the moms going and checking them out as well. So we want to thank today's partner, Tessimaze. And as a reminder, you can use their code WHOLEMAMAS15 for 15% off your entire purchase at tessimaze.com now through September 30th, 2019. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us out by sharing our podcast with your mama friends and writing us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you enjoyed about this episode and help us grow our village. You can also visit our website at wholemamasclub.com forward slash podcast to review show notes, find past episodes, and leave comments and questions for future shows. Please remember that the views and ideas presented on this podcast are for informational purposes only. All information, content, and material presented on this podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. Consult your provider before starting any diet, supplement regimen, or to determine the appropriateness of the information shared on this podcast, or if you have any questions regarding pediatrics, pregnancy, or your prenatal treatment plan. Now go on, have a good day, and nourish and nurture yourself and your family.